This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Excited to share with you in the second day of our program. Did we have a good time yesterday? God has been good, amen. And so today we continue the program. We meet again on Wednesday night and then Friday and then Sabbath. And you may remember well tonight after this. By about 8.30 or so, we have a Q&A session. And so please get your questions ready as we clarify and explain the issues. And so tonight, I speak on the subject, raising godly children. Raising godly children. I'm happy to have my family again with me tonight. My wife and my two sons are here tonight. So I'm going to invite Lloyd and Daniel. Lloyd wasn't here yesterday, but he's here today. Lloyd, just give the brethren away so they know who you are. Amen. And my wife and Daniel, just rave. Right, beautiful. We're very happy again that they can share with us tonight. Let's move right into the service, to the sermon, Raising Godly Children. I invite you to bow your heads as we pray. Loving Father, come by tonight and take us fully in charge. Climb down in the recesses of our soul and take up residency. And may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts find acceptance in your sight. In Jesus' name. Raising Godly Children. This is one of the great challenges for parents. Many parents are just thrown into this arena called parenting. No manual. No textbook, but yet we are expected to teach aright and train godly children. It's a very difficult task, especially in the age in which we live, for we may do all we can with all that we have. only to realize in the end that we have not done enough. And so it's a difficult task. Children, like everybody else, is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And left to themselves, they follow the natural dictates of the unregenerate heart. 
And then it is the challenge of parents to intercept that natural course of life to wrestle with the enemy and to bring something good out of what was meant to be evil. It's a challenge to raise godly children. But I'm so happy tonight to say that we are not on our own. We are not left without assistance, for God stands ready to help. Also, he has given us a manual. And if we follow the directives, we can have the advantage in this war for our children. And so I invite you to share with me from this manual, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'll read from verse 3. I'll read from verse 3. <clears throat> Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. I want to jump for, uh, behind a little so we get uh, the context. Let's start from verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his judgments and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son and thy son's son. So it does not stop with you. When you train your children, you are also impacting the future generations. Thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Prolonged. For without following the word of God, Many have had their lives cut short. For the fact is that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a curse, a reproach to any people. Hear verse 3, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land flowing with milk and honey. Listen to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. What's the first instruction to parents? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thy soul and with all thy might. That means we should love the Lord thy God with our hearts. That means our emotion. Then it says with thy soul, with our life, with thy might, with our passion, our strength. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently 
unto thy children. The first advice here, if the word of God is to be in our hearts, then we must be an example of what we want our children to become. You see, a child learns primarily from two areas. Number one, through participation, and number two, and more importantly, through observation. It is more what they see. It is what is patterned before them. That's how children learn. Some people may think, okay, well, I didn't say this to them, or I didn't say that to them. But the big question is, did you show them how to live? That is it. Children learn primarily through modeling. And this is why role models is so important to children. For children are really saying, it is not, it doesn't matter to me what you say, but it is what you do. In other words, what you do speaks so loudly, I cannot hear what you are saying. That's what they are saying. Children learn through modeling. Primarily. You know, friends, quickly I want to share this with you, a story. In 1884, Richard Dungale, a New York prison warden, realized that six of the prison inmates were from one family. And I'd like to demonstrate to you today that whatever you do today, the way you train your children, very likely will continue for the following generations. When you train your children aright, you are shaping the future. But if you treat it with scant regard, you are only leaving a legacy of shame and disgrace upon the entire world. Listen to this, for example. So they made the contrast between these two men. One did not care any much about God, but the other one was a righteous man. And so in 1884, this prison warder, he observed something in the prison. That six of the inmates were from one family. And so he was intrigued by this phenomenon, and he decided then to trace the family history. Then, by studying and research, they, were, they discovered that there was a couple at the head of the line. The man's name was Max Jukes, and you can find the, the history and the record on Google and, the, and, and, and YouTube and the encyclopedias. It was a huge study that was done. And so together with his wife, they, they were incarcerated in prison a couple of times, this couple. 
for reveling and misconduct. And did you know, friends, that 1,200 of their descendants, they studied 1,200 of their descendants to find out what became of them. The far-reaching impact of their influence. And this was what they found. Max Jukes. He was a non-believer. Married a woman of like character. She lacked principles. And she was involved in occult. And so they studied 1,200 of their descendants. And watch this, friends. 310 were professional vagrants. They were drunkards. 440 wrecked their lives through debauchery. 130 went to jail. Seven for murder. Average sentence, 13 years. More than 600 alcoholics. 60 were habitual thieves. 190 were prostitutes. 20 became tradesmen. 10 learned trade in prison. And it is said that the sin of this couple, the sin cost the state of New York $1.25 million. Just one couple who did not believe in God. Then they did the contrast with another couple. Head of this list was Jonathan Edwards. Many theologians may remember him. When I was in college, I used to hear about Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards preached one of the greatest sermons ever in history. It was entitled, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. Jonathan Edwards was once the president of Princeton University. And he believed that to train children, we must intercept the evil tendencies and give them education and righteousness. And this was the standard that he set for his family. Now listen to this. They studied his descendants, Jonathan Edwards. And they discovered 300 of his descendants became clergymen, 100 professors, 100 attorneys, 30 judges, one dean of law school, 60 physicians, one dean of medical school, 14 presidents of universities, three state governors, one control of the U.S. Treasury, and one vice president to President Truman in the United States. Friends, I want to tell you this today. The Bible is right. Did you know that the influence, the influence of our parenting can continue to the fifth, sixth, and seventh generations? It is important how we train our children, and we cannot treat it lightly. And this is why God... God, when God thought about preserving the sanctity of the human race, you know what he did? He said to Moses, you know, Moses, this is my formula for preserving the race. I'm going to give you my word. And then these words I give you, you must teach them to the parents. And you must tell the parents this, that the word of God must first of all be in their heart. That means they must become an example 
to what they want their children to become. In other words, you must train them. Train them. Oh, friends, the Bible reminds us today in Proverbs, what does it say? Train up a child. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Folly, Proverbs 22, 15, is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Verse, Proverbs 29, 15, a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. In other words, if we leave a child to the natural dictates of their evil heart, they become a symbol of shame and disgrace. Children cannot, cannot live on their own. They cannot be left to themselves. Why did the Bible say, train up a child? Why did the Bible say, bring them up? You know why God said, bring them up? Because God knows they cannot bring up themselves. They need parents. And we must realize that when we become parents, it is not a light duty. A lot of men, for example, sow their wild oats many places and they take pride in having many children. But for one moment, they don't think, will I be able to father these children? Let me tell you, my friends, God will take Seriously, if we have children and we throw them to the mercy of the world and we do not care for them because the children we have that we don't train aright, they are impacting the human race for the devil. And so we must train them. Train them aright. But when it says train up a child, what does that mean? Train up a child. <laughs> You see, training is different from teaching. You see, teaching is good, but training goes a little further. Teaching is the dispensing of information, but training is entirely different. You see, the English word for train comes from the concept of the train. You see, what is the train? The train is the automotive with an engine. And to that automotive is connected different coaches or buses. Watch this now. The coaches do not determine where they go. The engine determines where the coaches go. So if the engine turns right, the coaches go right. If the engine turns left, the coaches go left. So the coaches don't lead the way, but the engine of that locomotive leads the way, and that's training. Oh, friends, what do we mean by this? You see, children, when it comes to training children, we don't tell them but we lead them in the way to go. Amen. That's training. We, we don't tell them, but we, we, we lead in the way in which they are to go. That's training. 
We lead them in what to do. It's different from just training them. And so children are observing what we do. They don't choose the direction. They are trained in a given direction. You can understand why the Bible says that children are like arrows in the hands of an archer. <laughs> you must set for them a target. <laughs> if you don't have a target for them, then you are only firing recklessly. Arrows must have a destination. In other words, if you don't know where you are going, any road will take you there. You have to have a plan for your children and you must be directing them towards a certain target. For children are like arrows in the hands of a wise man, the archer. We must have a direction for our children. And so, watch this now. Recognizing that children follow our lead. How is your lead? How are you leading them? For example, fathers, if you come home at 3 a.m. drunk, You are saying to your children, when you grow up, you should come home, not at three, for the point is, they perfect and do even better the pattern you set for them. So you are teaching them, don't come home at three, come home at 6 a.m. drunk. When you abuse your Wife, what are you teaching your sons? When you beat your wife, what are you teaching your son? You are saying to your son, when you grow up, you are not only to beat her, but you are to fracture her leg. For the, because I have set the pattern for you. That's what we are saying to them. Men, if you don't want your daughters to commit adultery, then you cease cheating on your wife. Amen. Because what you do, you are communicating a message for those to follow you. Mothers, If you don't want your daughters to abuse their husbands, then you don't abuse their father. For children live what they learn. Did you know that when you have children, you have to be very careful, even the words you utter in your home? 
One of the things I grappled with for a period of time is this question. Why is it that some families, in some homes, the children, after they become adults, 40, 50, 60 years of age, some of them, they are still at war with each other. Why is that? Then, friends, I discovered later on that many times they grew up in a home where they saw mom and dad always at war with each other. Power struggle. Competing with each other. Verbal abuse. The children grow up learning, okay, this is the way to resolve conflicts, to always war with each other. And because of that, friends, many of these children, many of these children, they live for 60, 70, 80 years of age, and they never changed until they die. And then they ch their children just repeat the vicious cycle and carry on the legacy. Children live what they learn. And so in raising children, we must demonstrate much care. It is said, friends, that we show them what to do, we don't tell them. It says, you don't produce who you want, you produce who you are. That's it. You don't reproduce your wishes because hope is not a strategy in parenting. We don't say, well, I hope they come out good. I hope that, that they turn around. Friends, as Christians, we must move beyond hope and we must teach them the oracles of the living God. Amen. The next thing I want to share quickly is this. According to the book of Deuteronomy, we must also teach them. Amen? We must teach them. What should we teach them? We must teach them the word of God. Do you know that many times we expect that our children will just automatically become good and follow the right path? Friends, today I challenge us as parents, if we want to raise godly children, we must be having family worship. Amen. Oh, I want to say something about that. We must be what? Having family worship. In other words, we must invest in our children. <laughs> There's a saying, if you invest in your child, you don't have to so much invest for your child. You know, of course, it's good to invest for them. But the danger is many people believe I will invest for them more than I invest in them. And these children, they grow up. They get great possessions, great assets, great legacy, millions of dollars. 
But because they did not invest in the children, they become a menace to society. It is not so much the thing as important as it is to plan for them. We must invest in them. Amen. How should we invest in them? Number one, we should invest by giving them our time. Amen. We give them our time. What does this mean, friends? We give them the best there is of our time. Do you know that the best time that we can teach children about God is in the early mornings? <laughs> Did you know, friends, that the best period, the best period for us, watch this now, as it relates to our health, as it relates to our health, the best time that we have is in the morning. One man says, if there is anything good of us, it is in the morning. Why do you think, for example, Jesus, the Bible says in Mark 1.35, rising up a great while before day, he went out into a solitary place and they prayed. Because God knows that in the morning, you see, the mind has done has been refreshed and the cells of the body have been repaired throughout the night. The organs have just been replenished and strengthened. And so we are strongest and we are most alert in the morning. And if you want to give God your best, it must be in the morning. Therefore, friends, I know sometimes we get busy rushing to work and play and other things. But do you know, friends, if we are serious about training our children for God, we must arise up and give them the word of God. In other words, we must sow the seeds of righteousness before the devil sows his thorns. <laughs> if we don't educate them to love God, the devil will teach them to hate God. And so in the morning, we must rise up before day. And we must be serious, friends. If we want to raise godly children, we must exert an effort into it. We cannot be asleep knowing that they must go to school at 7.30. And we while away the morning. Friends, the question is, did we precede the devil? Did we precede the devil? Did we preempt him? Did we sow the seeds of righteousness? If not, friends, when they go to school, the devil is waiting on them to sow his thorns. And so I want to say this today. Recently, I saw a study of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the question was asked, how many families really have family worship? And friends, I want to tell you this today, that the result was not very encouraging. I want to say this, friends, that we must get back to basics. Amen? Amen. We must get back to basics. Warn them to rise at early dawn. 
and sow in their heart the seeds of righteousness before the devil has his way with them. You know, there's something powerful about family worship. Family worship, friends. When we have family worship with our children, the, the subjects we discuss in worship, it impresses upon their hearts what we expect of them and what God expects of them. And you can see as they grow that that, is, that, is, that takes such a foundation upon their soul that even though they are tempted to go wild sometimes, but in the deep recesses of their heart, there's something drawing them back to the moorings of righteousness. It is important, friends, if we want to raise godly children, we must make the effort. And the effort primarily is give them our time. Amen. The next thing I want to say is this. We must connect with our children. Amen. We must connect with our children. Connect with them. It is said that closeness now prevents generation gap later. You want them to be emotionally attached to you later? Then you be emotionally attached to them now. Amen. Closeness now with your children can prevent generation gap later. So what does this mean? Spend time with them in outings. Amen. Go with them. My, my wife liked to use the term, let's make memories with our children. Amen? Amen? Make memories. Even plan once per month, if you cannot afford a greater level of frequency, once per month you take a trip somewhere with your children and you bond with them, amen? Do you know, friends, that later on in life, these are the moments that they'll remember above all others? The moments that you spend with them, bonding with them. In other words, friends, connect with your children. Connect with them. I wanna say something further about boys. And girls, you know, boys as they grow, they are particularly susceptible to violence. They are particularly susceptible to hostility and hostile words. And so a lot of boys will tell you, one young man, for example, exclaimed, says, Pastor, when I was young, I had a dream to play the piano. Another one said, you know, I had a dream to read the news on TV. But then the friend came up to him. You know, he said that in class because they, they were just exploring and the teacher was asking the children, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
And so this young man says, you know, I want to read the news on TV when I grow up. Because sometimes, you know, children, children model what they see. Are you with me? For example, when I was young, you know, I used to drive on the bus to go to school. Ten miles every morning. And when I saw the expertise of the driverman around the corner, you know, one bus, one bus in Hanover to take us to school and all the four going to market, everybody would be on that one bus. But that driver man, he was such an expert, you know, navigating those narrow bridges and traveling for 10 miles. And you know, after a while, I said, wow, this is good. Then when people would ask me, you know, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know what I would tell them? A bus driver. Amen. You know? Because, you know, you are, you are mesmerized. You are fascinated by what you see. And so this young man, he said, I want to read the news on TV when I grow up. At the recess, one of the young kids, his friend, came to him and said, Wow, what are you talking about? You want to read the news on TV? When you go home, look at those on TV reading the news and then go and look in the mirror and see if you look like them. What are you talking about? As a matter of fact, you won't even get a job in this place. And because of that, he gave up his dream. He lamented, I gave up my dream of being a, a newscaster, you know, and reading the news on TV because of what my friends say. Men, especially young men, are susceptible to hostile words. How can we help them? I tell your friends, the parents must empower them and let them know that despite all that's happening around them, they are good and they can be the best that they can be. Children must surround them with that emotional support because that is what will help them and support them in the challenges of life. What about girls? Girls are particularly susceptible to promiscuity. They want to fit in. They want to feel special. They want to feel nice. And because of this, how shall we empower them? If you have daughters, don't wait until they go out on the street. And a young man said to them, oh, you know, you look beautiful. On the street, what that means many times, in other words, when they say, I love you, what they really mean many times, you know, I'm lusting after you. But the parent, the father, before you wait until that day comes, the father should be the first one to tell his daughter, I love you. Amen. You are special. You can be the best you can be. And friends, let me tell you something. Girls with, 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 with strong and powerful and high self-esteem have fathers who empower them and inspire them to be the best. Fathers who affirm them and let them know that they are the best there can be. And so we must be involved in the parenting of our children. We must be involved in their upbringing. Friends, remember this. The Bible says bring them up. Why? God knows they cannot bring up themselves. 
We must be close to them, empower them, and lead them in the path of righteousness. And when they get old, thank God they may depart for a while, but there's something in their heart to pull them back to the miracles of righteousness. May God help us as we train, as we seek to train our children aright. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.